Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to 101.7 WKSI Radio, what? where we're bringing you the latest and greatest in music. Nate. And today we are back on the top 40 for the classical charts. Nate. Beethoven seeming to drop a new uh, fifth symphony with Nate. dropping lots of bars. And... Quit it, stop. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, no, in all seriousness, though, welcome back to the All Good and the Brotherhood podcast. This Thank is you. not a classical um slash pop chart uh, radio station. This is just a podcast. But yeah, welcome back. I'm Nate Whitaker, as always, and with my brother, Francisco. Hey, what's up? And uh, he he sounds pretty sad, but actually he's not, because (laughs) right now we're in Rome. uh, Like we were in our our last episode. It's a vibe. Which has been, it's been super lit. Um, So actually, just to start before we get into any topic, Sam or Francisco, uh, what are your thoughts on Italy so far? I mean, you've been here before, but like True, th- this trip, what, what, how do you rate this trip so far? Uh, this trip is a 12 out of 10. Um, I mean, main, the weather has been phenomenal. It's been mm-hmm. like low oh, to mid 60s, perfect. sunny, no rain. We were in a CC today, which was just so amazing. The being up, up, if you don't know the layout of a CC, like a lot of Italian towns um, that sprung up in uh, the post Roman times in Italy, uh, it, built on the top of a hill or like kind of a small mountain um so when we were up there we could see the whole valley below us and it was awesome because th- there was a cloud break and you could see the rays of sun like splitting out mm-hmm. over the, the village at the bottom of the town mm-hmm. um which was it was just epic and and i love kind of the break from all this romanesque and baroque architecture going up there is significantly more gothic it's simpler in a way but... um and in the, the tomb of saint francis and just like the multi-layered church of the basilica of saint francis was epic mm-hmm. um also, just sublime. The, the town feels like untouched. Like oh, for sure. the city, when you just look at it, just kind of climbing up the hill, um, it looks like a medieval town or like a like an early Renaissance town. Because the the it, for anyone who who hasn't been there, the the buildings are still like look pretty much like the in their original stone. I mean, most of them are the original. Stone. Right, they he are. Said, he said our tour guide Firdosh said that the gates are the same gates. Right, and most of the buildings are the same buildings. Um, felt like we were walking around in like a medieval video game or something. It was, it was insane. Yeah, I feel like yeah. I should be Altair jumping from building to building or something oh, like that. Oh, that'd be dope, yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and getting to see some of Benedict's, uh, you know, stomping grounds at Subiaco, his first monastery. That was incredible. Monte Cassino, his last one. Also, both on tops of mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, just phenomenal, phenomenal. The how about, gnarly views. Yeah. How about you? Did you... Uh, Souvenirs. We, I know we've been uh, catching in a little bit on some some dope merch. Oh, for sure. Um, as have you gotten does. anything that you you like specifically? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, in the souvenir shops, there's been uh, we were saving a little bit at first, but now we're getting towards the end of the week, and you got to spend the euro before yeah. you leave. So, um, freeing it up a little bit. Yes, sir. And so today it was lit. Uh, thanks to you, you pointed out um, the incense in uh, the the Assisi gift shop, which was gnarly. So I now have incense and a little incense burner that I can burn in my dorm back at college and set off the fire alarm. Heck yeah! Um, so I'm really hyped about that. Actually, just... there are monks who in my monastery who uh, do burn incense really? regularly. Does it yeah. set off the fire alarm? No, which we have a bad history with fire, <laughs> so we probably should. Probably... But um... wait, check into that. Yeah. So so I'm I'm hyped about that because that's just something I've. I was I kind of came and I thought like oh it'd be super cool to get something to to burn incense in because I'm a nerd. Um, well, I I personally wouldn't burn incense <laughs> in my room, but if that's just you know 
how you feel. I'm not going to judge you all right, all right. about it. So that's um, Sam's way of uh, segueing to the Brother topic. Francisco. Brother Francisco. I'm sorry. Now I have to be respectful all of a sudden. That's Brother Francisco's way of segueing to the current topic, which is uh, we want to talk today about something that is near and dear to everyone in our society, <laughs> Unfortunately. Uh, which is moral relativism. Um, so I guess, uh, Francisco, yes. Sam, whatever you want to be called today. Uh, Francisco, thank you. Okay, Francisco. Uh, what is moral relativism? And, you know, let's, let's talk about it. Sure. So moral relativism um, is basically boiled down is that there is no such thing as absolute objective truth in matters, particularly of religion and morality, mm-hmm. um, in that it is more what you choose it to be, what subjective opinion um, that so morality and truth are relative to your own personal experience, your own, post, your own personal choice. So to say that it is objectively uh, evil to do X, Y, or Z, or objectively good to do X, Y, or Z, mm-hmm. is only up to the subject, their opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so that uh, what's good for you might not be good for me, and um, I can do everything according to my own morality Mm -hmm. and i can't impose my morality on you because you might feel like um that's not right for you gotcha Um, so what's really boils down to is that uh there has to be a complete denial of any objective truth Mm -hmm. transcendental truth basically Mm -hmm. um because that could go against what you personally feel wow and you know really after having that that definition it sounds sort of abstract but it really, this is something we see everywhere in the world, in, in the media, in just private conversations. So what do you think, like, in terms of phrases or the way people talk would be kind of some instances where we hear this kind of language of moral relativism? Um, when people talk about uh, actions that people perform, let's say, uh, for instance, um, abortion is certainly one of them, um, uh, physician-assisted suicides, um, or people who just kind of live a super party lifestyle, kind of getting drunk or high or whatever all the time. You hear people talking about them and say, well, I am personally opposed to that myself, right. but I'm, I can't impose the way I feel on them. Right, because they don't um, want to be, quote unquote, judgmental. Yeah, and, like, so, and especially, you know, abortion, um, people say like, well, you know, I, I wouldn't do that, but I, I can't tell a woman what to do with her body. Um, and you're right. You can't tell a woman what to do with, uh, like just, just her body. Exactly, but it's not just her body anymore, um, because there's also a child there. And and well, in some sense, there is actually. I will rephrase that. People should also have a certain way to care for their body. They mm-hmm. shouldn't abuse it. Um, they shouldn't misuse it. Um, and you know, sleeping around, which gets people pregnant, and, and which is uh, that they don't expect and they don't want, then often leads to abortion. So, I can't. I cannot tell you, I can command you, um, like God can command us, mm-hmm. but uh, we should lead people to make right choices anyways. But it's not just up to them anymore because there's mm-hmm. a child there. But people will say subjectively, like, well, that's her body, her choice. Like, she makes those mm-hmm. decisions. Or, you know, other people say, well, it's my body, my choice. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, men make similar, you know, arguments about like, well, you know, if just because if I choose to be drunk or I choose to sleep around or I choose to do X, Y, and Z. It's, that's my choice. Mm-hmm. You, you it's not bothering any of you guys. So yeah. why do you care? Like, just, just let me do what I want to do. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I think another phrase that we hear a lot these days is love is love. Mm-hmm. So that totally um, all love is equal. All intimate relationships are equal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there's no such thing as, well, we talked about this 
last time when we talked about tradition. Traditions, right. Um, but that there's no one better or more objectively true than mm-hmm. another one. Um, so if you're in a homosexual relationship, that's that's the Just same. as valid. Um, which I'm not saying that they don't have capacities to love each other. I'm not saying that. But to say that it's um, the same mm-hmm. as a relationship between a man and a woman is right. not true. Yeah. Um, but they're saying like, well, because they feel that it is. Right. It is. Exactly. And and like you said before, kind of whatever the subject, the individual judges to be good for him or to be uh, truly what he wants it to be, it according to relativism, it is in fact that thing. So if, you know, a, a, a like a person judges that, okay, well, I can love this person of the same sex as me. And they say, that's just as valid as marriage. Well, then according to relativism, yeah, you're right. You know what? Because who are we to judge? Like whatever you say is true for for you and that works for you. And maybe I believe something different, but you know, I'll, I'll believe what I want to believe. I'll, I'll let you believe whatever you want to believe. And it's just really this, this kind of almost isolating ideology where everyone's kind of trying to construct their own realities. So what, and, what ends up being the problem with that though, do you think? Well, um, as you've said before, or actually, like what would become instant implications for relativism? That yeah. We see? Well, when you go around saying, um, saying these things of, well, oh, love is love, man, or, well, that's just your opinion, man, or, or like just you said before, opinion, man. <laughs> or, or when you said before, like, I'm personally opposed to this, but you know, I'm not, I can't, I can't impose that on anybody else. Really what it boils down to is nobody's right. Nobody's actually right about things and nobody's actually wrong about things uh, that nobody's universally right across the board. Um, and nobody's wrong across the board. They're all, it's just this blurry, um, ambiguity where yeah you're, you're kind of right and you're also simultaneously wrong which um how do you how do you legislate against that or how do you even like police against that i was just re- thinking about it as you're saying that like mm-hmm. if we took morality to a total like legislative level uh, on like th- on this like relative ideology mm-hmm. then like i literally could not as a police officer or like as a legislator to be like you are going to prison for doing this right um <laughs> like it just seems ridiculous if you go too far with it. No, that's absolutely a great point. Yeah, because like the basis of law and punishments is there's like an understanding. Okay, well, the reason you get arrested and go to prison if you steal or if you murder is because it's just agreed upon that's wrong. Yeah. But maybe the murderer decides. Well, maybe he happens to be a relative. He's like, hold on, wait. It it seems right to me. It doesn't seem wrong to me. So why should I be punished according to your your imposed uh, standards of morality? So it really relativism in practice, the the full implications of that would just be a like a moral and actually legal chaos. Yeah. Um, and really, I think uh, just one more thing, Chris Stefanik, he's a he's a Catholic writer and speaker. He summed up relativism, I think, really well in just kind of um, one one sentence where he said, "One thing is true for everybody, and that's that nothing is true for everybody," which says it perfectly. Because yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, for sure. <laughs> well, I guess just go on. What, what what do you think about about that sentence? Kind of in that, in that idea. Well, like when you're saying one thing is true, you're saying there's an objective truth, mm-hmm. but then you're saying that nothing is true. So, um, for everybody, so that it's the objective truth that everything is subjective. Well, they literally are contradicting themselves if they say that, yeah. because like they have to believe that everything is subjective, but by doing so, that they have created a universal. Mm-hmm. Um, true. So they literally to have, say nothing is true is to. Say that, that in some that, way that truly. You're true. thinking that's true at least. Um, which I'm sure if you actually said that to a relativist, they either one wouldn't agree that that's actually what they believe mm-hmm. or two, they would be like, well, no, like there are still certain things. 
um, which is kind of the funny part about relativists. Is, right. um, but so if so, that becomes a real circular argument, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, absolutely. And, and that goes against uh, a real strong actual principle of being, which um, who is it? Is it Parmenides who talks a lot about? Uh, or the guy, the philosopher before Socrates? Who's the one? There's because this is the this is going against the law of non-contradiction, right? Who there's definitely isn't there philosophers before Plato and Socrates who talks a lot about it? Or? I'm sure there was. I mean, it seems like a pretty obvious law. I don't I don't know who first said it, but for those who don't know, the law of non-contradiction. It's a long way of basically uh, of expressing a, a very simple truth, which is a thing cannot both be uh, this or that in in. And at the same time, and in the same respect, be otherwise, or, or be it the opposite. So, for example, a certain statement cannot both be true and at the same time be false. Yeah. But relativism would say that it can. It can. It would say that well, when this person says abortion's right, they're right, and when this person says abortion's wrong, they're also right. So, so it basically it defies that basic fundamental law of reality, which is that a thing cannot both be and not be a, a certain a certain way. Yeah, um, yeah, but also I feel like just aside from the circularity of relativism, we really tend to see when relativism plays out in in this world. We I think it we tend to see most people who claim to be relativists kind of uh, tending towards various forms of hypocrisy, which kind of even further uh, reduces legitimacy. So I, I don't know. Would, would you agree with that? Um, well, why don't you like? Maybe say a little bit more about what what you think about that while I think about an answer. Well, yeah, I guess I'm thinking, for example, a lot of relativists, moral relativists, that is, will they'll push forward a science with kind of a, a capital S, like this big idea of science, um, and particularly empirical science, as as something absolutely objective, right? You'll see a lot of people who totally deny a moral moral order or universal morals. Um, who at the same time will believe that, you know, whatever the latest scientist or, or doctor has put forward is absolutely objective and everybody should believe that, mm-hmm. right? So they're simultaneously believing that reality is subjective um, for everybody and yet objective for everybody. And that that seems to me hypocritical. I guess uh, my one comment to that would be like, would they, they don't claim that science is a moral thing though, do they? Um, like following science in and of itself, is that moral? Um, actually, I, I do believe... That Some people, I think, kind of do. They, do. I they think, think it's right or, or good for you to obey science. Yeah, and like that, if you disobey what they believe science has told us, like you're in the wrong. Yeah, you saw that in COVID. Remember during the pandemic? Yeah, it wasn't sure. just uh, they wouldn't just say, "Oh, it's unscientific for you to, uh, you know, yes. not wear a mask or not get vaccinated," but rather it's somehow you're you're a bad person or you're in the wrong in kind of some weird moral way if you don't quote unquote follow the science. Yeah. So yeah. No. That makes sense. So, like, they they objectify something that they have discovered by human, like by human discovery, right? Mm-hmm. But something which is outside of themselves, um, they have subjectified, yeah. um, which is you know like a, a transcendent uh, truth. Um, so that that definitely makes sense. Also, I just find I personally find hypocrisy in the way relativists actually act mm-hmm. um yeah. so i mean i don't i can't say i've definitely run across like lots of like raging relativists but <laughs> i think a lot of people don't realize how they're subconsciously uh, like 
a subtle relativist. Yeah. Um, especially like, well, you know, I don't want to hurt their feelings, so I'm not gonna like really tell them they're wrong. Mm-hmm. Or I, you know, like like you especially and this is the one you find a lot of people. It's like, well, I personally don't agree with that, but I'm not gonna tell them otherwise. Right. Um, that's like a little relativist, but the like the true raging ones, and you see more of these on like social media because they can hide mm-hmm. behind screens. Um, or on TV, you know, yes. like political activists, newscasters, even um, they are so bent out of shape about making Christians or you know just people who have some semblance of an objective morality. Mm-hmm. They're so bent out of shape into trying to get them to believe relativism um, that they act out of accord with what relativism would even believe. So if you're truly relativist, you should be okay that I don't agree with you mm-hmm. um, because you should recognize that that's my truth. Mm-hmm. But they're really, really annoyed when I don't agree with them and right. they attack me for having a morality. But that's the whole point of relativism. At mm-hmm. least in the sense it should be that I should be allowed to have my morality. My, exactly. and my, it's just my opinion that it should be objective. Right. Um, and if you don't agree with me, that's your fault. But you like, you know, like that's your choice, mm-hmm. but they don't like, I'll, at least the crazy ones don't seem to want to settle for that. Mm-hmm. They're like, it's morality is completely subjective and therefore you must believe what I believe. Yeah. Um, you can believe whatever as long as whatever the heck you want, as long as you believe what I believe too. Right. Um, and that just like, that just seems really contradictory and really hypocritical. Right. That seems to be kind of the battle cry of the more raging, um, relativists is that they won't just settle f- is what you just said basically yeah you can have whatever belief you want as long as it happens to be identical with my belief yeah and they those more aggressive relativists if you will they're not content to let everybody have their own uh, different stances or ideologies because if, if they were they would at least be seemingly consistent with their own beliefs yeah but rather those who are traditional or who acknowledge objective reality they see them they, they see those people as um, see, seemingly like kind of enemies or people to be won over to their side. They, they want to look at Christians or just people who, like you said, acknowledge an objective or religious um, morality. They, they see those people and they think, oh, we need to win those people to, over to our side um, and we need to get them to deny objective reality. So, which is contradictory because they're not, and if you will, them accepting. To a side, it's like we're winning you over to an objective right, side. Right. Um, yeah. So they're treating relativism itself as some sort of objective universal yeah, truth. Yeah, which is just so kind of ironic. And, and kind of an, another form of hypocrisy that's really big is um, I really don't think most people who are relativists or who hold even subconscious relativist beliefs want to know the full implications of their own beliefs. I don't think they go there. They, they don't go there. They, they wouldn't. I think a lot of people wouldn't dare go there with their minds because if they really carried out the logic of their own reasoning, it could lead to a really dark, scary place. Well, it justifies every, literally every action. If, mm-hmm. if your morality is based on what you believe is right, then, you know, blowing up a building, uh, you know, because you don't like the people who live in it, or, I don't know, human trafficking... Uh, arms dealing, all these things. Mm-hmm. If you're a relativist, you can't tell me that they're wrong. And if mm-hmm. my my morality says this is good for me, or I, that I don't personally see anything wrong with it, you couldn't tell me. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said before, that's just literally chaos. You right. you can't have a society truly fully based in moral relativism. Mm-hmm. So 
they end up actually picking and choosing what they want to be relativists exactly. about. Um, and then, and then if you remind them of that, they just get really bad shape. Very true. Yeah, because all of them, like we said, m- most of them don't want to really worry about the full implications and think, okay, well, if I really were to carry out this logic, it would lead to there being total chaos in our society and us living in a world where there's danger everywhere because basically anything goes. Um, and they, they it seems like most, practically speaking, probably most people who have some relativist stance, they, they aren't relativist all the way through. Like you said, they pick and choose because they kind of take it with uh, the asterisk of, well, we got to be nice. You know, yeah, we, we, yeah. we can't go around killing people, of course. I mean, you don't want to be that relativist. So it's, it's like they're, they're not even consistent with their own belief. Um, okay, so yeah. when, what do you say, like, how do you engage then with a relativist? How do you talk with them? Or how do you help solidify your own, like, or our own? How do we help solidify our own morality? Um, well, I mean, I guess you just got to recognize that we do have in our reality room for subjectivity and objectivity. Okay. Um, but it's not that everything's subjective um, or that everything is exactly objective for everybody. Um, we, For example, um, we experience objective universal truths in kind of subjective ways, in ways that... Uh, personal like I'm me. Right, personal, they personally affect me maybe differently than you. For example, um, uh, it seems pretty universal and... and though it's beginning to be questioned by some people now, it seems like for, for ages and ages, it's been universally accepted that you should try to be healthy. And people think of, uh, nowadays of, of different ways to do that, but in general, it's, it's pretty universally accepted. You should try to be healthy. Um, so that's an objective universal truth. But the way that will affect uh, one individual versus another will be subjective. It'll be different depending on each person. So maybe one guy is maybe like he feels uh, underweight or something. So to get to a, to a place where he'd want to be healthy, he's got to eat more food, yeah. you know, and, and just make sure he gets plenty of protein and things. Or for another person, he might have the opposite thing. He might want to try intermittent fasting or something to get to a, to a healthy size. If you know, his, his doctor recommends that or something. So like those are subjective because they differ from one individual to another, but they're striving for like a universal end or a universal, they're, they're basing their, their way of living off of a universal principle. Well, I think you used a really good word there as end, Mm -hmm. um, because I think that's what's really mainly under attack by relativism is the end of the human person. So if we have, if all of our ends are... As in the end in the sense of purpose. Yeah, like our, our, as Aristotle would say, our final cause, like that towards Mm -hmm. which we tend. Mm -hmm. Um, Because he says all things tend towards something. Right. And the human person tends towards the good, Mm -hmm. which is to... which is to experience full happiness um but i think relativism both denies that we have ends at all or if they like try to say we have an end that they're completely subjective yeah um that that happiness there is no objective happiness it's like so it comes can so it can be whatever you want it to be right different for everybody so if there is no universal end then there's no universal like set of acceptable ways to get there Hmm, um so that if your end is subjective then it doesn't really matter what you do because Mm -hmm. everyone has a different end therefore everyone can act differently Mm -hmm. so i think a really strong way of countering relativism in ourselves because we like we i've said before it might subconsciously um 
tend towards it, but also how to like encounter other people who might be more relativists um, is to really ask them like, what does it mean to have an end? Like, mm-hmm. what are you what are you aiming at in your life? Yeah. Because um, I really think at the end of the day, no matter how relativist you are or how kind of in denial you are of faith or God, mm-hmm. like to admit to yourself, like there is nothing beyond my current existence. I mean, some atheists and some people believe that, but that's right. just super depressing. Um, mm-hmm. Or to say that like, there's nothing better than what I experience now, mm-hmm. or there's no good beyond what I'm doing. Or to say that if there is no end, then there's no purpose um, to my life at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like that can really make them ask questions like, okay, well, maybe I do have an end. And if I have an end, there has to be a set of acceptable ways to get there. Right. Like not every road can lead, you know, say all roads lead to Rome. Haha, we're in Rome. Not every road actually leads to Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So if Rome or happiness or whatever you want to call it was our end, you actually have to get on one of the roads to get exactly. there. Um, it's a great point. So if there's an objective good rather than just everyone doing whatever they want, if, if there's a specific universal end that we should be striving for rather than uh, I want to get for what I want and you can get, go for whatever you want. If there is that objective end, then there's got to be certain ways to get there. Yeah. And that like that requires virtue. And as we believe it, that our end is happiness and our end is um, you know, happiness in God specifically. So the, the proper means are living virtuously and doing us right. So yeah, I, I can't simply go around uh, killing people and stealing because guess what? That's not going to get me uh, to the me. Uh, those aren't going to be the proper means to get to the end, which I ought to be striving for. Um, so yeah, no, I think he's absolutely right that really relativism is dangerous because ultimately uh, for one big reason, it robs people of their purpose and their humanity. It, it robs them of their end, which is really, that's what that's what gets you up in the morning, right? That's that's what yeah, causes that's you to want to choose to live a good life rather than just a life of, of laziness or immorality or, or just chaos. Um, is it, It's really that end or that purpose, um, that acknowledgement of an objective good that we should be striving for that keeps us on the right path so that our society as a whole can flourish and so that each of us as an individual can really start to become happy. Mm-hmm. Without that, um, we're lost and we're just wandering. Yeah, and, and so like Aristotle, you know, talks about we can come to know a thing if we come to know its f- causes. Mm-hmm. And the final cause is the first in anticipation, but the last in execution. So we first have to realize where we're going before we start doing anything, right. but it's the last thing we actually get to. So, but if we don't know where we're going, which relativism can't get us there, mm-hmm. we really can't know ourselves. So if we don't know ourselves, we don't know our identity. Mm-hmm. If we don't have an established identity as a human person, we'll have to create it. Mm-hmm. And as we experience in humanity, we generally screw up when we create Make, things. It's a bad um, recipe. So if we're forced to create our own identity, we're going to create wrong. Instead mm-hmm. of receiving our identity from God, who is objectively good, mm-hmm. um, or receiving our identity from knowing that there is like an objective truth about who we are, mm-hmm. uh, which is... That, you know that we're one we're loved we're created for god we're created for happiness um and that there are therefore objectively good ways in order to achieve that happiness mm-hmm. um but you know if we use if we follow relativism we're not just eliminating 
truth as a transcendental, like objective mm-hmm. truth, we actually immediately eliminate the other ones too. Because I said, it's a good that we're aiming for, mm-hmm. right? It's a truth that we're aiming for a good. Yeah. Well, both of those have to be removed if we mm-hmm. follow relativism. And then beauty becomes so subjective too. Right. Because, you know, what might be beautiful to you is not beautiful to me. Right. And that that there is some truth to that. Like, you might find, you know, some more abstract art, like, you know, you might like it because you have, like, a more, like, artistic eye. But to really say that anything is, like, oh, you know, beauty then becomes completely subjective right. is also... That it's dangerous work. and it leads to chaos. Yeah, I think that's really a great point that you just brought up, acknowledging that really relativism abolishes not one but every transcendental because it yeah it denies truth and if you don't have uh, anything true then yeah there's no objective good so that that eliminates our purpose in life and if there's nothing inherently good or better than anything else then yeah that carries over into the beauty as you were just saying so and really we, we see that um, playing out in history even in, in specifically like art history you just brought up art um, in last century when relativism began to really be on the rise and become a, yeah. a big philosophy that a lot of people share, um, you saw art degrading from, you know, the beautiful Renaissance art that we see now, or that we're seeing right now in Rome, and even the wonderful art that you saw in the Romantic era, in like the 1800s and, and 1900s, um, you see a shift in just a few decades from people drawing these beautiful portraits to, you know, guys basically just like, scraping their paintbrushes over yeah. canvases or or just a canvas of just blue paint and yeah. like it sells for like five million dollars like like that that's the kind of chaotic world a meaningless world that you have to come to if you really accept relativism that's why it's so dangerous it denies every transcendental not just one but all of them and and so really the way to combat it and in general the way to to live an actually happy life because by the way true relativism just leads to a miserable life Mm, um, facts. The way to combat it is to acknowledge an objective truth, acknowledge an objective moral order, uh, an objective good, and objective beauty. It, I just use the word objective a lot, but it's, yeah. it's really important to, to just pound that out. That really everything isn't up to us. You know, we we are in this world and we're in this reality, and we all experience things a little bit differently than you will. That's true, yeah. but ultimately, my experiences don't define reality. Mm-hmm. They're they're the way I experience a reality that's beyond me. It, it transcends me. There is truth and there's goodness and beauty outside of me, and we need to acknowledge that, or else we're just going to get to chaos. Yeah, and I think just like to close, just the phrase "the truth will set you free." Mm-hmm. I think a lot of relatives relativists are resistant to the idea of objective truth because they think it enslaves us or it, like limits totally. our like humanity. But the truth is, if you know that there's something objectively true it actually is like it's a freeing thing Mm -hmm. um so i would just challenge all of you who are listening to really stand up for truth um because it's not an enslaving reality it's actually a freeing one and if you bring people to truth they're actually free from their own oppressive egotistic subjectivism uh and free rather to live a life of happiness that can only be gained by recognizing that it's objectively beyond who we are absolutely yeah, no, I think you summed that up really well. Thank you, Cisco. Yeah, bro. And uh, yeah, I guess that wraps that up for, for this episode, guys. Um, thanks for listening as always. And uh, yeah, just just like keep tuning in and, and be ready for the next episode. And uh, yeah, I think that's all for today. Awesome. awesome. Have a great one. God bless.